Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities, and lies keep us from experiencing God's best. This podcast will consist of real talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given dreams. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and today I have the honor of bringing to you a conversation I had with Crystal Stein. Crystal is an author and a blogger and a speaker, but she's about to launch a book called Holy Hustle, and we actually kind of went behind the scenes today. We talked a little about her book, but really we talked about the process she's had in getting there. So if you're someone who just has a dream in your heart, it doesn't have to be writing a book, it can be any kind of a dream, this podcast is going to speak to you. And then hang on until the end so that you can make sure to hear how you can enter to win a copy of her book, Holy Hustle. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into my conversation I had with Crystal Stein. Hey, Crystal, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I am really excited to have you on here today because I'm in a fangirl just for a minute here and (laughs) admit that four years ago when I started blogging, I met you, or I guess I heard you speak at Declare, and I was just getting started. Everything was, I was kind of like a deer in headlights, and I was just totally overwhelmed by the blogging world, and I was overwhelmed by how to make my blog look beautiful, and then I came across you, and I started following you online and reading your blog, and I got your book, Creative Basics, and it totally just helped me to feel more comfortable in my skin and what I'm doing. So I have been watching you from afar and cheering you on. So I'm really excited that I get to just chat with you more today. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Listen, Declare is one of my all-time favorite events that I have ever had the privilege of going to, speaking at. I recommend it all the time because I have met some of my favorite people on the internet through it, and you are one of those. So I just, I love what God is doing through you. And it has been such a joy to get to know you over the last, gosh, four years. Are you serious? I know. And I have changed a lot since then. I've kind of morphed into a bunch of different things. But that's one thing I love about online. I mean, I definitely feel like online relationships can't replace in real life relationships. But I'm grateful for, I was just thinking this morning of all the people I've met because of the things I do online. So I'm so thankful for it. It is. And honestly, it's the online community and those friendships that gave me the courage to have better in real life community and friendships because That's I was so like, true. oh, I can do this. I have a little success, you know, behind me, giving me a little boost here. So it's so good. You do have to have both though. I'm behind you on that one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's jo- jump right in. We don't have a whole lot of time today. Let's start by you just telling us a little about yourself and your family for anybody listening who doesn't know you. All right. Well, I live in a super small town in Pennsylvania, and I always joke that around here, if you want to picture how small of a town I live in, our traffic jams tend to be school buses, horse and buggies, and farm equipment. So (laughs) it's uh, if you've ever seen any pictures of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, it's very similar to that, but we're a little closer to Maryland. But I grew up beside, you know, Amish and Mennonite families. And so I live in the same town that I grew up in. I married my high school sweetheart. We are raising our family here. My husband actually teaches third grade now at the elementary school I went to when I was little. And now our daughter is finishing kindergarten there as well. So 
I mean, it's a small town, as you could possibly imagine, but I really, really love it. I thought for sure, though, I would live in a city and work in a city. I went to school right outside Philadelphia and really loved it there, but it's expensive. (laughs) So we realized it would be nicer to be able to afford to, you know, live somewhere and uh, be around our families whenever we started our own family. So it has been one of those things where when you grow up in a small town, all you want to do is leave it. And then as you get older, you begin to appreciate the slower pace and the opportunity to visit cities, but not be in it all the time. So it's been fun for us. And I am currently working as a communications coordinator at my church. And I do a lot of freelance writing and editing on the side. And uh Yeah, I guess. I mean, I can add author to the list now, right? Yay. And I can totally (laughs) relate to your small town. I grew up in a small town and I was, I was like, I'm getting out of here. And I went to Norman first and then now I'm in Dallas. And it's funny because now we have three kids and my husband and I both are like, why didn't we choose a small town to raise our kids in? (laughs) I mean, there's of course perks of the city, but there's so many days we're like, I don't know why we did this, but here we are. So this is where God has planted us. <laughs> well, it's because now I get to come visit you and have queso in Dallas. There and, you go. You know, it's all for me. We'll yeah. make it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. So tell me a little about, I told you, you know, in the beginning, I've only been blogging four years. How long have you been blogging and how did you get started as a blogger? I have been blogging for, I think it'll be 10 years next year. Wow. Uh, I know that's ancient in internet years. It's out of control. But I started blogging, honestly, because I have, I've always loved writing. Words are my thing. I was an English major in college. And so I, at the beginning of every year, would get the brand new journal and decide that this was the year that I was going to journal every day. And then by February, I never did it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at that point, I was like, okay, I found out about blogs after doing a Beth Moore Bible study. And in the back of her Bible study, there was a link to her blog. And I was like, oh, okay. So I you know, went down the rabbit trail of her blog and then her daughter's blog. And then I think probably Sophie Hudson's blog at that point. And I was like, well, these women are just writing about their lives online. So I could start a blog that's just really a private journal where it's just faster for me to type and maybe I'll actually do this. And that's how it started for me. It wasn't anything public. I started a free blog spot, (laughs) blogger blog, and just wrote for myself. And then God nudged me to make it public. And I had to go delete a whole bunch of posts where I was ranting about my job (laughs) before I did that because try to keep it professional, you know, but um, it's transformed over the years. I have moved on to, you know, a self-hosted WordPress site. Now I've finally, you know, for the first time this year hired somebody to do the design for me. Before that, I figured it all out on my own, which I loved, but it was time for an actual upgrade. And, you know, at one point I tried to be a DIY blogger, which was terrible. And (laughs) I'm really bad at that. I don't know why I thought, I mean, I would have been the person on those Pinterest fail shows now. Like it was bad. It was really bad. I tried to write in all kinds of other people's voices until I figured mine out. You know, it's been a work in progress and it really has taken a lot for God to be able to sort of guide me to where he wants me to be and how he wants me to write and how he wants me to share and encourage women. And it's been a really wonderful process and a growing process. And there were seasons where I wanted to not do it anymore, but God never let me stop. So blogging has been one of the ways that I've met some really incredible friends and had really amazing opportunities. And it's been good for me. I can use it as a way to work out some messages I think God is sharing and 
you know, not necessarily to get feedback from other people because nobody leaves comments anymore, but, <laughs> you know, for me to, to use that space to practice a message or, you know, get some words out that I feel like God's putting on my heart. If it's just for me to read, that's amazing. If it's just being obedient to God and no one else sees it, I'm comfortable with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. I love that you shared that because that's my heart for blogging too. Actually, the whole reason I started blogging four years ago was because I was in a class called Wild, which is women in leadership development. And the lady who spoke on writing, I was like, well, I can just nap through this class because I'm not a writer. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking, but then at the end, she said something that triggered me. She said, if you want to be in leadership, you need to be able to write, like at least decently write. And English was always just totally my weak spot. And so she suggested start a blog, even if your aunt and your mom are reading it, just start writing. And so I did that same thing. It was a blogger site and totally just me dumping my thoughts, you know. And um, But then I started to realize I actually enjoy doing this. It was just like you said, a place to like when God speaks something to you to work on getting out there. And so I always just tell people just start writing again, like just like you said, when you started that even if you don't share it with anybody, it's always a great thing to do. Absolutely. I've been asked a couple times recently, how do I become a better writer from other women who have dreams about you know publishing or just wanting to do more on their own blogs? And honestly, my only answer is to write more. I mean, that's yeah. not true. Read a lot because great writers are great readers. You have to read a lot of books. You have to be, you know, seeing how other people write and pick up little nuggets of information and inspiration as you do that. And then, you know, just keep writing because the more you do it, it's like any other muscle, right? Like the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And sometimes you have to get to a point where you feel like you've hit fatigue, right? Like you've gone as far as you can, and then you need to take a minute and figure out, okay, what needs to change for me to be able to keep doing this? So maybe it's a different perspective or it's a different way of writing, or it's a different platform that you want to write on. But as long as you keep doing it, that muscle will continue to grow. And the more you read, the more comfortable you'll get with the little things that trip us up all the time, like grammar and editing and phrasing and things like that. So you will be a stronger writer if you just do it. Yeah, that's so good. And I love what you said earlier about you had to find your own voice, because I think that's a struggle that a lot of bloggers, authors, speakers have is finding our own voice. And so I'm curious, do you have any advice, because this is a real struggle I struggle with, on, you know, we want, like you said, to read other people's things so that you can become a better writer, but at the same time, not take on their voice. How do you draw the line there? You know, I think for me, it took getting to a point where I was comfortable actually being able to read something and admit that I didn't like the voice it was written in. Mm -hmm. So that was very freeing to me because it may have been by a really popular author who everybody loved. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't connect with this at all. So learning what you do connect with what you don't connect with. And then I think, again, it's just practice, right? The way that you talk in your head, the way you talk to a friend, that's your voice. So as you're writing, pretend that that friend is sitting across from you. Have somebody specific in your mind. You know, if if you want to encourage somebody, if you know, you feel like you're writing to encourage women and you have this really specific friend in mind or a person in your life in mind that you want this message to go to, it's going to help you really refine how you're saying things because we wouldn't start talking 
in poetic turns of phrase to our friends over a cup of coffee, right? Like if that's not our voice, you know, maybe we would. And I think that the reason that people resonate strongly with some of these, you know, more popular voices is because that is honestly how they do talk in real life. You know, it's not this act that they put on. And so when you can start to think about the person you're writing for and you have a conversation with them, that's going to translate. And whenever other people read that, they're going to feel like they can engage because they feel like the writer is talking to them. But, you know, you also, I think, need to just spend some time abiding with God in those moments of margin and rest that you create and ask him to help you refine that voice. Who did he create you to be? How did he make you unique and special? And how does he want you to communicate his message to the people he's put in your life, because it will be different than what everybody else is doing. And it might feel weird and it might be awkward and it might not feel popular, but we've got to be okay being a little bit weird for Jesus, right? Like God is so infinitely creative to have created the entire universe. Why do we think he would ask us to write or speak or podcast or whatever it is in the exact same way as somebody else? Yeah, exactly. That's such great advice. And that's something I, sometimes I have to remove myself, like almost do a little bit of tunnel vision before I work on a project that I feel like God's wanting me to release and just say, okay, what voice have you given me? Exactly like what you just said. I love that. Yeah. It is hard though, because you know, anytime that you, you know, if you're doing a book proposal or something like that, you're asked by publishers to put together a list of, you know, comparable titles. So you have to go out and see what other people are writing. That's exactly like what you're Mm. writing and then find a way to say how yours is alike and different. And it's one of the hardest parts I think of doing a book proposal, but it's also really good because I think if we approach it in the right mindset that says, listen, there is nothing new under the sun, right? Like this message has been talked about. Whatever it is that I'm doing has been done before. And that's okay because when I stop to think about who it is in my actual life, my actual neighbors, the people God has put in my life to serve, the way that I'm going to connect with them is going to be so different. And it's going to make such a big difference because, you know, they're my people. They're the ones that God has given me. And so I can start to look at what other people are doing that's like what I do and respect their talent and honor their gifts and enjoy their message without feeling like it's competition for mine. That's so wise. Hey friends, I want to just take a second to tell you a little bit about a company I recently partnered with called Primally Pure Skincare. So if you're anything like me, you have been on the hunt for an all-natural deodorant and I finally found one that I love. Now, if you don't know by now, wearing deodorants, particularly antiperspirants, are very bad for us. They clog up our pores and they are leading to increased chances of breast cancer. So when I found this company and I finally found a deodorant that does not leave me smelling worse than if I had just not worn any of all, because that's disgusting, right? I was beyond excited. So they have offered us a code for 10% off of anything on their site. They got way more than just deodorant if you use the code REALTALKRACHEL. And I will include that link in today's show notes. I know you're going to love it just as much as I do. I love that you're starting to hit on this book because you are about to release your first book, right? I am. Yes. 
I think I did it wrong because it's been so much fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how you know God is in it when you, there's joy in the process, right? <laughs> exactly. You know what? That's so true because I tried this probably five or six years ago and it was terrible. It was so bad and it was so stressful because it was all about me. And this one has been so much fun because it's been very little about me and a whole lot about God. Yeah. Well, I feel like I remember, and I think this was at Declare last year, that I heard you say that you had kind of settled in your heart that you might be the only blogger who doesn't write a book. So I'm curious, did the release of your book come shortly after that? Or where were you in that process once you kind of settled that? Oh, it actually took probably three years. I actually was at Declare several years ago. And I think it was the first time I was ever at Declare. And I signed with an agent shortly after. And at that point I was, you know, working and surrounded by all of these people who this is what they were doing. They were, you know, these women who were big personalities and they were bloggers and they were putting out best-selling books and they were getting invited to all of these amazing places to speak. And I was like, well, clearly this is what I'm supposed to do too, because I too am a blogger. So this is just what happens when you blog, right? You get to write a book. So my agent told me about two weeks before another writing conference, oh, by the way, I need you to put a book proposal together because I think I forgot to tell you, but I set some meetings up for you with acquisition editors. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now, two weeks is not enough time to put Mm -hmm. together a book proposal. So I did it. All the striving happened. You know, I was stressed out and I was trying to come up with a, a book idea that I thought would be worth something. And it was really bad. And it got rejected by every single publisher it went to. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Broke up with the agent, decided, you know what? I'm just going to, I'll just blog. Like, I'll just be on Instagram and I'll just blog. And, you know, this book thing feels kind of overrated and I don't want to do it. So it took a friend who knew what God had been putting on my heart for the last couple years. It's been about three years since I started writing about Holy Hustle in different places on my blog and online. And she told me, she's like, you really need to talk to my agent. I was like, nope, I've done that. I don't want to do that. So finally, just as a courtesy to her, she connected me with her agent and we had a phone call and (laughs) I found out later that her agent had no intention of signing me. (laughs) She was just doing it as a courtesy to this friend as well. And so I was like, okay, whatever. I'll talk to this agent. It'll be terrible. It'll be the same experience I had before. I'll hang up and then I'll just go about not writing a book. And by the time we were done with the phone call, I think we talked for over an hour and we had outlined Holy Hustle. And she emailed me a contract after we were done talking because she's like, well, we're already working together. And she completely got the vision even before I did, I think, for what Holy Hustle could be. And it's been such a different experience than the first time around. And again, I can look back now at what looked like a bunch of rejection and failure and see God protecting me from writing something that wouldn't have been glorifying to him or to the relationships in my life at that point and giving me space and margin to be able to work out this message that he had planned that he knew was going to come out in 2018, right? Which I obviously couldn't have known about. So it wasn't one of those I decided and let go of that dream. And then the next day that door opened, it it was years. It took years and basically me still fighting it until it actually happened. Yeah. So was your original book proposal, was it on a different topic? It was, yes. And the tricky part is because whenever you sign with an agent, then even if you write that book later, 
they still would get royalties from it. So I don't, I can't actually write about that topic. It was a topic that I was trying to write about friendship, but that's not really what it was about. I wasn't at a point where I was in a healthy enough space with community and friendship and relationships to be able to write that book. And it would have been me telling a bunch of stories that would have just hurt other people because I hadn't gone through the process that God needed me to, to be on the other side where I could offer hope and encouragement for it. So yeah, it was me just saying, look at all these terrible things that happened in my friendships. I'm going to write a book about it. And God was like, yeah, no, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so thankful that he protects us from things like that. Right. And it in my life, it has always looked like a failure. You know, there's moments where a door shut that I wanted to go through or try to push my way through. And for him, it's always, no, I, I know what's coming up for you. This is not going to get you there. You know, because my inclination is always to take that. It might be a more direct route to go through that failure and through that pit and through the hard things to get to the other side. But mine is always, let's go take extra time and either build a bridge over the pit or go the long way around the pit. Yeah. (laughs) And God's like, no, I I actually just need you to go through it. I just need you to go through it so you can appreciate what's on the other side. Yeah. I love that you're sharing this side of things because it's so easy for people to, my husband and I joke about this a lot of like, people think we're just an overnight success. And we're like, yeah, you haven't (laughs) been with us the last 10 years, you know, like people don't see all the behind the scenes. And that's, you know, the title of this podcast is Real Talk. And that's my heart for anybody I've met that's successful. I'm like, I want to hear all the stories because I know you did not just wake up and oh, boom, like you said, there's my book and there's my, everything's just in place. That's not how it works. (laughs) Not at all. In uh, one of the very first chapters of Holy Hustle, I tell the story about how I was watching Shark Tank and heard Mark Cuban say that it took him 10 years to become an overnight success. (laughs) And I mean, it's so true, right? I mean, we look at, we see the end of everybody's story because that's the point that they start promoting it Mm -hmm. and sharing about it online, right? You're not typically invited into those first 10 years because that's when we've worked quietly and invisibly and under the radar and just in obedience to what God has asked us to do. So of course people aren't going to see that part, you know, cause that's where we learn and where we train, right? That's where we get ready for whatever it is that God has for us. But it's very easy to look around and see what everybody's doing and just assume it came easily for them or they got it because of a certain circumstance. And You know, one of the things that I was most afraid of when I got this book contract was that I was only going to be chosen by a publisher because of the connections they saw that I had because of a previous ministry experience and where I used to work. And one of the ways that God answered that prayer, because I was like, God, if I get asked to write a book, I want it to be on my own merit. I want it to be because of the gifts you've given me and not because of who I know, which is a little bit of a challenge in publishing because who you know helps sell books. And publishers care about that. And in a weird way, being asked to resign from that position made it so that when Harvest House did pick up this book, I knew it was because of me and not because of who I knew. And that was one of my biggest fears was that, you know, when I work there, surrounded by all of these bestselling authors and whatever, that if I got an opportunity to do something, it's just because they wanted a secret side door to have access to these other people, these other women who were bigger and more famous than me. And so God took that prayer and that insecurity of mine and was like, well, we'll just remove that from the picture, which was not ideal, honestly, but, you know, in a way it it was a blessing too. 
Yeah, I love that you bring that up because that's the one part of online stuff that kind of makes me feel icky sometimes is just that, just what you just said about who do you know and all of that. Sometimes it feels a little icky to me. (laughs) It does. It's hard. But, you know, at the same time, I do appreciate the relationships that I've made with really incredible women online, but it's about the relationships, you know, and I knew very clearly whenever I, I was done with that ministry position who those actual friendships were with because the rest of them disappeared. Yeah. Uh, they, they weren't invested in my life anymore. It was a work relationship and that was it for them. And, you know, that was hard for me to navigate. It took honestly quite a few months of counseling for me to really see and navigate through that loss because these friendships that I thought I had formed, I was viewing in a certain way and they were viewing as a work relationship. And when the work was gone, so was that relationship, right? And so it took a while to be able to appreciate that. But also now I can look at the women who are involved in Holy Hustle, whose stories I get to tell in that book because they shared them with me. Like these women have been cheering for this message long before I could give them anything because of the role that I was playing online. So it's made me really step back and appreciate those friendships, those true relationships. Yeah, I love that. So the name of your current book that's about to launch is Holy Hustle. Can you tell us a little about your heart behind it and what you feel like the Lord is going to do in people's lives as they read the book? You know, it's funny. I had a a friend joke with me. She's like, holy hustle, it's kind of like jumbo shrimp, right? Like it doesn't make sense (laughs) when you first hear it. But for me, it was this way of God answering this desire of my heart to reconcile work and rest. And so I had realized, you know, I've taken enough personality quizzes over the years to know that God has created me to be really responsible and organized. You know, work and loving work is just feels like part of my DNA, how he created me. And I knew that as Christians, you know, salvation, our personal salvation isn't the end of our experience with Christ. Once we have that, then we're told to go and make disciples of all nations. There's so much work and so much action in our faith that's asked of us. And, you know, on one hand, I was following these incredible entrepreneurial women on online and I was watching them talk about hustle, right? But they were talking about it in the work 24 seven, strive all the time, make sure your idea gets out there before anybody else. Feel free to walk all over whoever you need to. So nobody steals your place. And I was like, well, you know, I've done that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It also did not end well for me, but I've done that. And you know, I love work, but you know, sometimes I'm ashamed to admit it because depending on who I'm talking to, it's kind of like, oh, like that doesn't feel particularly holy, right? Like you're very invested in your career. You love what work you do. And then on the other hand, I was following incredible women of faith online who were talking about soul care and grace and rest. And I was like, well, that sounds good too, but I feel guilty because if I rest and I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough, or if I do rest, I feel guilty that it doesn't look exactly the way that everybody else is showing me on Instagram that it should with like, you know, two hours of quiet time every morning in a comfy chair (laughs) with a candle and a fuzzy blanket and a journaling Bible. That's not how I'm wired to rest. And so it was this nudge from God to go to his word and look at what he says about work and rest. And it starts in Genesis. We get this example of how God worked for six days for creation. And at the end of the work, he called everything good. 
and he celebrated what he had accomplished, right? He worked until it was done, until the job was done, and he called it good. And then he chose to rest on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because the work was done, and he called the rest holy. And so we get this example of this work-rest balance right away in chapter two of Genesis. I mean, it's at the beginning of scripture. And, you know, I was like, okay, God, you've got something to say about this. And you give us this model of work and rest. And then looking further into, you know, what does hustle really mean? Because it feels like such an icky word, right? We're kind of like, oh, we don't want to admit that we hustle. But when we look at the definition and it's about working energetically, I was like, well, that sounds a little bit like Colossians 3.23, right? Do everything as though you're working for God and not man. And I was like, okay, so we could reclaim this word hustle and we could add in this element of rest so that we can do work and rest that honors God. And we can call it holy hustle because we can be reminded that all of our work honors God, but that we also have to stop work and take time to also honor God with our rest. So for me, my desire and my heart for this book is that, you know, when women would pick this up, that they would be encouraged in their work, that it doesn't need to look a certain way or have a certain title or happen in a certain venue for it to have an impact on God's kingdom. And that whenever they take time and carve out margin in their lives, whatever that looks like, it can be as unique as the work that God has created them for, that they would find freedom to work hard and rest well and know that both of those things, when they're done for God's glory and not ours, and they shine that light on God and not on ourselves, we can do tremendous things for God's kingdom. I love that you are taking back the word hustle because I completely agree that that word is kind of like, eh, you know, but then whenever I started seeing your heart behind holy hustle, I'm like, okay, I love that. And I love how the enemy loves to try to take things that God created and twist them and mm-hmm. make them his own and make us think, oh, this is icky and this is weird. But I feel like for me personally, and I feel like I think some other people might struggle with this, I tend to swing between the extremes of just like you mentioned, either like totally work all in or just complete laziness. And (laughs) (laughs) like, okay, God, can we find the balance here? And that's what I love about this book and your heart, just even for online and your writing and everything is because I feel like you have found that sweet spot. And you're right that there are other messages and other books out there on this work and rest topic. But one thing I love about you is just that I've met you in person and I followed you online and you're the same person in person and online. And to me, that is somebody I want to follow because I want to follow people who, just like you mentioned earlier, how you write is how you speak. And that's just who you are. And you're just sharing what the Lord has taught you. So I'm excited for a lot of people to get this book into their hands. Well, that is so sweet. And you know, it's honestly not anything I've done intentionally. I'm just frankly, most of the time too tired to try to be anybody else other than yeah. myself. <laughs> Exactly. I'm a six-year-old. It, yeah. I don't have time to be anybody else. It's yeah. a lot of work. But, you know, I think that finding that sweet spot of holy hustle where, you know, we are serving instead of striving and we're resting in a way that really refuels us instead of laziness. You know, one of the things that I was most worried about when this book came out is like, I don't have this all figured out. This is not coming from a place of expertise. Like mm-hmm. I have not solved this. So for me, it's every day waking up and trying to give my agenda back to God and launching a book 
and having lots of deadlines, you know, I'm recognizing these triggers that send me towards striving, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm having to consciously every day, even now, I mean, the book is printed and even now I'm still working on it, but you know, it's recognizing those things and knowing that, okay, when I start to go too far into striving, you know, having those resources, having those scriptures, having that reminder of how God wants us to honor one another. It says in, you know, Romans 12, 10, that we're to outdo one another in showing honor. So when I start to find myself striving, I kind of can reset and feel like, okay, so I'm making this all about me again. How can I shift that and honor somebody else and recognize their holy hustle right now to get back to that place of serving or, you know, when things get super overwhelming again with deadlines, I will go towards laziness where I'm like, let me just watch all of the things on Netflix (laughs) right now and it will be fine. And I'm going to hide under my blanket and escape all my responsibilities, you know, but that doesn't refuel me and that doesn't honor my family. And that doesn't help do anything to get me inspired and excited to do God's work again, you know, when the work week starts. And so, you know, being able to figure out that balance and know when I'm sliding too far one way or the other, you know, it's a scale and it's a scale that we're going to constantly sort of navigate every day for the rest of our lives because, you know, we will run into holiday gatherings and family who nudge us one way or the other, who might be our triggers for striving because suddenly we feel like, oh, we're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving and, you know, we have to hurry up and prove our worth because of, you know, how much work we do or we continue to use busy as this badge of pride and honor when people ask how we're doing. And so it's recognizing those things that sort of shift us one way or the other and then just knowing how to stop and reset and refocus. I love what you just said about using busy as a badge of pride and honor. Oh my goodness, that's everybody's answer to each other. How are you doing? Oh, just busy. But it's like we want to tell each other that. So I love right? that. Right? Because like, if we said, oh, I'm feeling very balanced right now, people yeah. are like, oh, good for you. I actually have nothing going on right now. It's awesome. Like, yeah. I've added some good margin to my life. Yeah. And... <laughs> I love that. Okay, so I want to know, has the writing or the launching of the book been more fun for you? Oh, oh gosh, both were so fun. That's that's like picking the favorite kid. Um, (laughs) Okay, well, so writing the book was really fun because I basically did it at Starbucks. And who doesn't love just <laughs> coffee all the time? But, you know, I think launching it has been more fun because I have gotten to invite more people into the process. And that has been my thing is that, you know, at no point do I ever want this to look like a platform where I'm on a pedestal and I'm the only one up here talking about this. And so when we put together the launch team, I was very adamant that there not be a cap on it because I've been, we've all been part of those things, right? Like you apply to be on a team that only has a certain number of people on it, or you try to be part of something and suddenly, you know, you don't get to be included, but then you have to watch everybody else talk about it. I didn't want that. That's not what any of this is about. So, you Uh know, for me, it's been so fun to say, all right, God, you've given me this opportunity and there's some exciting things that are going to happen. And how do I include as many people as possible into it? So, you know, a launch team that was open to anybody that wanted to be part of it, book launch party where I get to invite some women who have incredible businesses in my hometown to come and set up so people can shop and, you know, make it a girl's night out. And, you know, yeah, the book is going to be for sale and I'm going to, you know, read a little bit from it and whatever, but I want to honor these women who, you know, three of them are related to me and have their own businesses. So come and join me in this. Like we're going to celebrate, but I want you here and I want people to celebrate your holy hustle too. 
And so finding ways to do that has been just really, really so much fun for me. I love that. That's so fun. I wish I lived local to you because I would totally be there. <laughs> ah, I wish you lived local to me too, because then we could just hang out all the time. I know, exactly. <laughs> okay, so as we wrap up, I want to just finish by asking you, I know some of the people listening today might have it on their heart to write a book, but others, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast too really have in their heart a dream, and it might be starting an online business or a ministry or maybe not even online, but I would love to know what's some advice you would give them, like if you were to think of yourself 10 years ago and you see all the hurdles you've walked through and just some sound advice you would have for somebody who has a dream and is totally terrified to do it. First of all, I would say that being totally terrified to work on your dream is normal and yay for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, I think that for me, it would be two things. One, surround yourself with the people that God wants to have in your life as your support system. You need people. You need the people who are going to keep you grounded, who know you, like really know you, not know you on Instagram. Like you need to have a community of people who will keep you humble and encourage you and pray for you and who know what your house looks like on a random Tuesday afternoon when they stop by and your kid's acting crazy and you need coffee. You need those people in your life because they're going to keep you honest and they're going to keep you accountable and they're going to cheer for you like crazy and they're going to love you whether you have that dream happen or not. And you need those people. Second, I would say One of the things that I've had to very slowly learn, and hopefully somebody else can learn it quicker than I did because of this, is that failure does not mean it's a stop sign. It's not the end of the road for us. So God tends to use failure for us as a stepping stone, not a stop sign. So how can you view the challenges and the things that we perceive as failures or setbacks as these opportunities where God is going to take something that looks broken and messy and terrible and use it to create a stepping stone you know, we're still moving forward. It might be a little bumpier. It might look a little different. It might take a little longer, but failures don't stop us from growing and going where God has planned for us. We cannot do anything to mess up God's plan for our lives. So I think reframing failure and redefining that in our lives can really give us the confidence to, you know, when those things happen, it's not an if, right? We're all going to fail. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to have things that don't work out the way that we wanted. But being able to stop, ask God to reveal to us maybe a little glimpse of what do you want me to learn from this? How can this be glorifying to you as I go through it? How can I share hope through this with somebody else? I think that, you know, when we do that, then when we get to the other side, we can see how those little small steps, those little moments of daily obedience and faith and trust in God's plan for our lives have gotten us much further than we ever thought that we could make it. Yeah, I love that you said that failure is not a stop sign because I feel like fear of failure holds most people back from taking just that next step. And that's something I'm passionate about seeing people just move past it. And like you said, expect failure, not in like a bad way or a terrifying way. It's just part of life. Yeah. And then you learn from it and you keep moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to hop off here, but Crystal has so graciously, your publisher actually is going to give away a book, right? 
Yes, a copy of Holy Hustle. Yes. So what you can do to enter to win that is you'll just head over to my blog and I'll put all of this information in the show notes and you will be able to find where you can follow Crystal. Crystal, do you want to share with us where people can find you online? Absolutely. So you can learn more about Holy Hustle at holyhustlebook.com and that'll actually just take you to my website. So my blog and everything's on there too. And then I hang out a lot on Instagram so you can find me there at Crystal Stein. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll share links to all of that in the show notes, but just in case you're driving and you don't want to look down the show notes, you can listen and find Crystal. She's so fun to follow on Instagram and her blog too. So definitely head over there and check it out. So Crystal, thank you so much for taking the time out and for just sharing your wisdom. You were so helpful and so insightful. Well, thank you so much for having me. And listen, we need to make a queso date here soon. So whether I have to come to Dallas or you have to come hang out with me, I need to make it happen. (laughs) I agree. That's a must. (laughs) Didn't you just love that conversation with Crystal? I know we went a little longer than we usually do today, but I felt like it was so worth it because she was full of so much wisdom. So, hey, make sure you check out the show notes on how to enter to win her book, but also go follow her. I don't say that about everybody, but she is one who you will be so blessed to just follow her online and keep up with what she's doing. All right, friends, I pray that this podcast blessed you today. If it did, please don't forget to leave that iTunes review so more people just like you can find it. And I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.